This podcast is brought to you by Audible. Go to audibletrial.com slash talkingdead for a free audiobook. is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hi, my name is Jason. And my name is Chris. And this is The Talking Dead, episode 128 for Wednesday, October 30th, 2013. Very good. Thank you, Jason. Well, thank you, Chris. <laughs> and this is our weekly feedback show, our second weekly feedback show, um, which is coming on the night before we hop in the car and hit the road for Atlanta, Georgia for Walker Stalker Con. I'm so excited. I know. It's going to be fantastic. Uh, but I mentioned that because I got a lot to do tonight, Jason. Not only do I have to record this podcast with you and then probably spend a few minutes editing it to make sure uh, I cut out all the dumb things that I say. Really? No. You don't do that on a regular basis, do you? Never. I almost never cut no. anything out, in fact. Yeah. But I do sometimes tighten things up a little bit, you know, stuff like that. But I do a little bit more of that when uh, when it's the regular show on, that we do on Mondays because there's just more stuff happening, right? Right. On this, we're just going to plow right through. Anyways, so I got to do that. When we're done here, um, I have to pack and get ready and try not to forget anything and, uh, you know, you know, not show up down there without my microphone or, you know, my underwear or something like that because that would all be really bad. It would. Remind me after the show, I have a few things that I need to remind you to bring tomorrow. Right. I think you should probably write them down for me because I'm going to need a list. Well, you can write them down. I will dictate to them, them to you, and you write them down, and okay. uh, you bring them. All right. Well, that's uh, that's a good idea. And uh, if anyone's wondering, we're not actually driving all the way from Toronto to Atlanta, although that would be fun. We are driving to Buffalo, New York, and catching a flight from there, in case yeah. anyone's interested. Yeah, and uh, I've been packed for about three days. <laughs> you are clearly more organized than I am. Yeah, I, I even actually packed all the recording equipment just to make sure that it was uh, it would fit properly in the suitcase and would be properly protected. So I was I, that was all packed last night, and I had to unpack it for this recording. What I should actually say is that you are clearly have less children than me. <laughs> well, that, that's true. <laughs> because that's true. I uh, I have not had time to do any packing yet, and now it's the night before. So oh, it's it's so much easier packing for this than it is packing for a week of work. Uh, when I was traveling to Calgary there for that little bit, mm -hmm. uh, you, you know, I only need the one pair of shoes, the comfy shoes. I don't need to bring work shoes. I don't need to bring work clothes. Right. It's just it was super easy. It's just like walked into the closet, like okay, five of those, five of those, five of those, five of those, five of that, and we're packed and we're done. There you go. <laughs> Well, I have about the same thing, but I got to remember the the microphone. I got to remember my little mic stand, which I know you do too. But uh, still, I I just have to do it all in one night. I don't have to the the luxury of three days to think about it and realize I forgot stuff and then so on. So well, I made a list. Let's like a week and a half ago. Anyway, let's uh, get into some listener feedback. Okay. All right. Listener feedback. The first thing we have here is a call from Carrie in Illinois. 
Hi, Terry from Woodstock, Illinois. Um, you guys were just talking about um, killing the zombies defense and how at uh, 15 seconds you can kill so many um, that you would clear them all up. But you got to remember, you have to leave some zombies as defense and as a decoy. Um, people aren't going to raid the coming by and raid the the prison if they got to fight a bunch of zombies off. It, it's 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 a great defensive purpose to have some there. Uh, great podcast. Love you guys. Keep up the, the good work. And uh, uh, call back again sometime. Later. Thank you, Carrie. So what do you think about that, Jason, leaving a natural wall of zombies as a little bit of protection? I think it's a fantastic idea. I mean, it does make a lot of sense. Uh, when we were talking about clearing the, the zombies from the fence, we didn't really specify that maybe it would be a good idea to leave a few just to as a deterrent for other people. Um, or whatever. Yeah, that didn't occur to me. That's a, that's a great point. Yeah, and I mean, I guess the this thing is... This is why we would work well as a group. Like, you and I on our own would probably get killed easily. <laughs> so what we need to do is, uh, if we're going to survive this uh, zombie apocalypse that's obviously coming, uh-huh. uh, we need to get together with all our listeners in some kind of compound uh, because uh, our listeners are the smartest listeners out there Clearly. And are uh, going to be clearly prepared for the coming zombie apocalypse. Clearly. So we'll be unstoppable if we got everyone together in some sort of compound. That's right. So Walker Stalker Con tomorrow is going to be unstoppable. Hopefully, see, the, hopefully the apocalypse gonna be z- happens <laughs> in this weekend. Yeah, I'm hoping that it does. <laughs> the, only, why not? the only problem with that is I'll be stuck like 3,000 kilometers from my family, which won't be good. So it'll mean road trip. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll have to wait for about a year and then get ourselves uh, some kind of a Hyundai and then uh, we'll be ready to go. All right. Yes, we will. So that's the plan for this weekend if, <laughs> if all everything goes to, to hell. Yeah. Okay, so that we have an email here from Kara in Oz and she's talking about the cold open scene uh, from this week's episode. She says, in that scene, I noticed Daryl take up the rear position to support Rick as he did with the knife in season three with Andrew. I think that says a lot about how he still views Rick as the boss in dangerous situations. I like how they also show Rick as still a bit in crazy town when faced with conflict. That's true. Yeah, it's and and this kind of reinforces that scene where Daryl was digging a grave in the other episode and Rick came to talk and Daryl said, you know, you've, you, you earned your time off, but, uh, you know, you're still sort of important to this group kind of thing. And it, this kind of reinforces that, I think, where Daryl still sees Rick as a leader. Yeah, I think that, too. And I think, uh, I think Rick does have one foot in Crazy Town still. He's yeah. not quite uh, out of, uh, of Crazy Town. But I think that's uh, going to help him uh, in the, uh, the, the oncoming uh, crap that they're going to have to go through in the next... <laughs> You know, f- coming weeks. Whatever that may be. Uh, a little bit of crazy goes a long way sometimes. Yeah, there's going to be a shit tornado, and it's coming <laughs> their way. <laughs> yes, there is. <laughs> All right. All right. So we got uh, Stephen from LBC. What's LBC? I, I don't know. The only thing I could think of was Lower British Columbia. Okay. But I, but because I think they do refer to, you know, Lower BC and Upper BC, but I, I don't know for sure. So, uh, well, Stephen, Stephen, let, let us, us know. know. Yeah. yeah. So while listening to the show this morning, I noticed you guys were talking about the glasses on the grave marker as well as the gun hanging on one. I didn't think the gun was hung there like uh, like the glasses as a personal effect. I thought it was Glenn's gun. 
I'm not sure why he would hang it there. Uh, my only guess would be he didn't want it on his waist or holster on his leg because it could get dirty or possibly cause a jam. I suppose a gun could get dirty if you're shoveling dirt all over the place. I would think more maybe that, you know, maybe are you at a risk of, maybe maybe this is silly, but are you at a risk of the gun actually accidentally going off if you're digging and, you know, no. jumping up and down in a hole and stuff like that? No, there, you need a, uh, there's, well, unless you modify the weapon, uh, the trigger pull on, and I don't even, I, and I'm just kind of pulling this out of my, my ass really, is the, uh, the, pr the amount of pressure you have to put on a trigger in order to get it to fire is about that of uh, lifting a gallon of milk with one finger. Like it's not just a, a light thing. Like you have to seriously want to pull that trigger in order to get it to go off. Now a gallon or a liter? A gallon. Oh, that's a lot. It is. It's, it's quite a bit. And if you modify the weapon, you can put on a hair trigger, and that's what that's called, is you, you modify it so that the uh, you don't have to put that much pressure on it. But as soon as you do that, you run into uh, the danger of it going off if you accidentally knock it or hit it or something like that. Right, okay. So probably not as a safety precaution that he would take it off, but maybe just to, as a cleanly option to keep it clean. Yeah. And if uh, it, it also, how far away was it from Glenn? Do you, you know, I, I'm not really sure. The the, the, the uh, glasses and the gun were really in the foreground, and Glenn was in the background digging. So, And the, the distance, I don't know. I couldn't really estimate it, although I haven't gone back to check. Yeah, I remember when I was in the uh, the reserved reserves back when I was like 17, 18 years old. And yes, you could join the reserves at 17 in Canada. Uh, when we were doing basic training, you never had your weapon farther than arm's length from you at any time for any reason. Because if you needed it and it was farther than arm's length, it, the damn thing might as well have been on the moon. Because right. it would be completely useless to you. So always be within arm's reach of it. So never leave it and walk away. So uh, Glenn was clearly not trained in the reserves here. That, that's true. All right. Or, you know, if anybody... Uh, th that's why I, I question whether or not this uh, was his hanging on the uh, on the gravestone. Because you, you never want it, you know, a good, goodly distance away from you. Right, right. I, I, but again, the people here in this prison may be feeling a little too comfortable. Or at least they were until all this stuff started going down. But I, I'm, I'm inclined to think more that it was just somebody's sort of a personal effect hanging on the grave marker. And like we talked about in the main show, that... Maybe they'll take it sometime when they need it, but for now, it's just marking the spot. Right. Uh, our next email comes from Jason in Seattle. He says, I was listening to your latest podcast, and you had a segment questioning why there were holes in the prison fence that Rick used to rescue Carl. If you go back to last season, you will see that these holes, these are the holes that they created when they originally entered the prison. So that completely explains it. It didn't occur to me that those were the holes, but obviously they'd still be there, and they have them uh, they have them tied shut with those clips, but they can still use them to get in and out. This is why I think our listeners are the smartest listeners out there, because they remember this stuff. Yeah, absolutely. We clearly don't. <laughs> no, but, uh, I remember a fair bit. Crowdsourcing this is great. Yeah, exactly. I remember a fair bit, but sometimes, you know, sometimes things get, get by me. Different I, people remember different details. Yeah. And you get everybody together, and uh, we get ourselves a nice, big, clear picture. Exactly. Yeah. All right. So the next email comes from Paul on the internet. In regards to them really hammering the we all have jobs to do point, that appears to be the major theme of the season. Rick has to be the leader and protector whether he wants to or not. Daryl is uncomfortable with his leader-provider role. Carol's job is to do whatever it takes to make sure the kids survive. 
Bob wants to do any job just to help the group. Oh, even Tyrese struggling with the uh, wanting a job he likes rather than what needs to be done. So, I mean, that has been a theme of really all the three episodes of this season so far, which, when you think about it, isn't that far off of the bigger doing what needs to be done theme that's run through The Walking Dead in every medium, right? Yeah, that's true. They all have a, a job to do, and when a, when the crisis hits, if people aren't doing their jobs, then everything's going to crumble around you. you got to play to your strengths, too. Yeah, exactly. Uh, okay, this one comes from Chris in Hawaii. Now, I, I need to warn everyone that Chris does mention something that was in the preview for next week. Uh, not really in detail, but he does mention a scene from the preview. So if you don't want to hear anything about next week's episode, you should skip ahead and uh, skip this one, Chris from Hawaii. But he says, I saw the preview for next week's episode. Here comes the spoiler. And it shows somebody dragging a body around a corner. I believe this to be Carol. I think this will be a flashback scene where she kills Karen and David. I believe it will be revealed in the next episode that they had both turned before Carol killed them and burned their bodies. Do you think it's Rick's responsibility to tell Ty and what would be an appropriate punishment for such a crime? What do you think there, Jason? I think the general laws of society kind of go out the window in the, in this uh, in the prison. I think that uh, Rick is. Uh, I don't think he's doing it because Tyrese uh, wants him to. Wants him to. I don't think he's researching or figuring out who done this because Tyrese wants him to. I think he's doing it out of his own curiosity. He wants to know if they're in any danger by someone. Uh, once he finds out, like Carol said, that it's her, and if it in fact it is her, then uh, Rick's going to be satisfied with this and know that the group is not in any danger from this and then just will keep quiet. Yeah, but you don't think he has a responsibility to tell Tyrese specifically? No. I, I don't really think so either. I mean, the bottom line is it comes down to are they safe there or not? And Rick is, you know, trying to keep the most important people to him safe, I guess. If, Even if he tells Tyrese, Tyrese might go off on a, uh, on a rage and uh, hurt somebody. So uh, by keeping the secret from Tyrese, keeping it from Tyrese, he's actually saving, you know, helping the group. And that's probably how I think he would, uh, he would come to that conclusion. He may be rationalizing it that way. That's true. Um, really, though, by, if telling, Ty by telling Tyrese, he's probably only <clears throat> putting Carol at risk. I mean, if Tyrese is going to fly off into a rage, it will probably be directed at the one who killed Karen. Yeah, but but by you know if you tell Tyrese, you have a risk of him going into a rage and hurting Carol. Mm -hmm. By not telling Tyrese, you know Tyrese might be upset, but uh, nobody gets hurt physically by that. Unless it comes out sometime, you know, way later, and then things could be even worse. But you know, who knows what's really actually going to happen? Yeah, and I mean it's it's the devil you know versus the devil you don't, right? So by not saying anything, that's the devil you know. Because you, you know what the situation is, and nobody's going to get hurt by keeping this a secret. Yep. Whereas if you say say it to Tyrese, that, that does open up a danger. Yep. Except that, you know, when you, when you approach it from that way, it means that anyone can get away with anything, almost. As long as you satisfy Rick's 
uh, need to protect the group. <laughs> I if suppose. you can convince him that you've done it in the defense of the group and that you're not, go it's not going to continuously hurt the group, then I think you're good. Yeah, but I, I, what I mean is, like, she's killed someone. She's committed the ultimate crime, really. And if that's not serious enough to deserve some sort of retribution or punishment, I don't know what is. Yeah, but we haven't found out why yet. Well, that's true. We haven't found out why. And we don't really know the circumstances exactly around what happened either. Yeah, so I, I think the flashback idea is a good one. And uh, I think we should... Like, as, as a viewers and as a story, we should have this addressed. But I don't think that it's necessarily, you know, bring her in front of the council and, uh, you know, have a trial and punishment. Can you I imagine? That, <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen. A trial on The Walking Dead. That would be weird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. So we got an email from Jason in Washington. I think, I think Rick was able to identify Carol because after hearing from Carl in the last episode that Carol was teaching the kids about how to use knives, he may have deduced that the blood imprint was from a small female hand. So it was likely the woman who, uh, it was likely a woman who was a bit cold emotionally. Remembering that C Carol was also teaching the kids about how to use knives, which is also rather cold, he thought she was the most likely candidate. Yeah, I mean, this addresses my question last week of how did Rick deduce that it was Carol, or at least sus suspect her based on a bloody handprint on the wall. And we're going to get into some more discussions about this in a minute because we have lots of emails about, uh, about this particular topic. But, um, I mean, I suppose that he could use the size of the handprint, um, but I don't know. I, I just didn't see... I didn't see enough in that scene to convince me that he would immediately go to Carol. Um, you know, I, I, I read online a little bit that maybe the culmination of all of his interactions with Carol was enough to make him a little bit suspicious of her. Like when they were chatting, um, when they were chatting before, uh, uh, before Rick went to talk to Tyrese after they had their fight, and Carol said, I'm going to go inside first. You go talk to him. She didn't want to go talk to Tyrese. Then he said, don't go outside to fix the water. We'll do that tomorrow. But she did it anyway. So I think Rick was feeling a little bit weirded out by her to begin with. And maybe that was enough to make him suspicious. But still, I I don't know. It seems like he an awful jump for him to put uh, two and two together and get four in that well, case. Sometimes cops can just use their gut and uh, intuition to, to come to conclusions that may not necessarily logically make sense. But then he asked the question and she answered positively. You know, did you did you do it? Yes, I did it. So yeah. he, he used his cop instincts to uh, to come up with that. Well, you know, police are, I, as far as I understand, police do have good crime-solving instincts. At least some of them do. You know, if you've ever <laughs> if you've ever read the news, like a murder was committed in uh, downtown Toronto, uh, or someone's gone missing, you know, from downtown Toronto, and we are canvassing the neighborhood and looking around and. Uh, uh, somebody go check that, you know, grain silo 40 kilometers outside the city because I think there might be a body in there because that's where they find the person. So, I mean, yeah. I don't know how they, they figure things like that out, but obviously it's good police work. Yes. <laughs> um, okay, Olivia from the internet writes, Why would Carol kill Karen and David the way that she did? Why leave a blood trail and burn the bodies when she could have made it look like an accident? It looks like someone was trying to send a message. 
is it possible that she is covering for someone else? Hmm. And I'm going to go right ahead here and read the next email, too. This comes from Bill on the Internet, and he says, On the Isolation Show recap, Jason mentioned that there were three possible scenarios of how Carol could respond to Rick's question. One, kills and says she didn't. Two, not kill and says she didn't. Or three, kill and says she did, which uh, is what happened as far as we know. However, there is a fourth possible response, not kill and say she did. She may be protecting someone, most likely Lizzie. Maybe Lizzie wanted to prove she could be strong and killed the two sick people. Carol could have found out and covered for Lizzie, maybe even burned the bodies. Remember that Carol could have felt responsible for this because of her secret training, uh, knife training with the kids. Hmm, good old Bill. Now, I, I work with Bill. Nice. So I, I know Bill. Hi, Bill. Uh, hi, Bill. And this is, uh, he, Bill's absolutely right. There, that fourth permutation uh, I hadn't considered, but uh, him being having the logical mind that I know he does, uh, he considered that fourth possibility, and he's absolutely right. She, she may very well be covering up for someone else. For covering up. And this se- Lizzie seems to be the most likely candidate here. Um, but that's just because that's what we know of her, uh, we, what we've seen of Lizzie and, you know, her sister said she's a bit, uh, a bit, a bit crazy. So, um, it's an interesting theory, that's for sure. And I think the next couple of emails kind of address that too. Yeah. We have, uh, Nancy from Pennsylvania. Even though Carol admitted to killing Karen and David, we need to know the details surrounding it. Were they dead already? Uh, that would go over better than the alternative. Did Carol know that Lizzie did it and cover up for her? Uh, Lizzie's cough seemed fake and she had to look she had a look on her face after she went into isolation like a kid in a candy store could Lizzie be a bad seed yeah could Lizzie be bad I think there's a good possibility that that's the case so let's just step back for a second here the general consensus on the internet from what I can tell is that Carol is actually covering for somebody here and most people believe it's uh, it's Lizzie Right. Um, And I think this is an interesting theory because I'll be honest with you, Carol just coming out and saying, yes, I killed them straight up like that. And and just the thought of her doing this never really sat right with me from what we know of Carol's character. Now, Carol's had a bigger role this season. She's she's acting differently, differently than she has in past seasons. But I don't know that I really buy into her being this kind of take action kind of person um and especially when it when it comes to actually killing a couple of people who are you know maybe sick but living human beings not zombies i don't know she's she's her character is different and it it, uh you know after losing her husband and her daughter uh you know when she was a very different person back then when she was under the thumb of her husband and after those two traumatic events the first one being traumatic and freeing and the second one just being traumatic and absolutely horrifying by losing her daughter and the way in which she found out that she lost her daughter uh not just missing but actually becoming a zombie um this kind of cold calculating kind of uh, person could definitely come through yeah i think it could um and I guess this could be the first we're seeing of it, too, right? Uh, but uh, I, I don't know. I don't know. It's just for some something about it just doesn't 
sit right with me. And, and, you know, maybe it's Carol and maybe it's face value. That's what it is. And we're just going to move on from here and, and I'll be okay with that. I'll come to terms with it. But I do sort of like the idea here that it's more complex than that. You know, yeah, it's not just, they were sick. So I killed them. I tried to contain the disease. Um, it didn't work out so well. You know, I'm not going to kill anyone else. I'll try to try to do, be better from here on. Right. It's, you know, I think I think if it's more complex than that, it could make for some really interesting storytelling, if nothing else. It could be. And it's it's also, I find it, now that I think about it, it's hard to reconcile this cold calculating Carol with the, the Carol that uh, refers to Daryl as Pookie. Yeah, that's true, too. So that seems like a warm, cuddly, kind of uh, friendly, coming out of her shell kind of person. Uh, you know, it's hard to reconcile those two those two things. We just, we don't know what's going on behind the scenes with Carol. She's, she's displaying traits of both sort of personality types, right? Yeah. So I don't know. Mm. I, I like the theory. Um, Josh from Indiana continues uh, with this theory. He says, what if Lizzie was the one who killed Karen and David and Carol is protecting her by taking the fall for it? I realize that Lizzie is too little to drag the bodies, but she could have killed them and had Carol help with the disposing of the bodies. The handprint that Rick found could have been a child, in my opinion. Also, I think Lizzie may be faking being sick to go in and kill the rest of the sick people, or she's not faking and is sick, but will start killing them anyway, maybe to protect her sister. Now, her sister is uh, where? Mika is her name. Is she? She's not in the sick, um, the sick quarantine, is she? No, she would be in the protective young and old Right, uh, the administrative er uh, area. Right, we didn't. I don't think they they haven't said that, but that's where I assume she is. Yeah, I don't think we, I don't remember if we saw her in either place, but I I assume she's in the healthy quarantine. Right. Um. Anyways, so I think you know I think everyone here has. Uh, well, it's all sort of the same theory, but I I like it, and I think Lizzie. We're I think we're gonna learn more about Lizzie pretty soon. Yeah, and you think they're in collusion? Like Carol's knowingly helping out Lizzie in her uh, murderous endeavors? Well, if Carol purposefully helped her dispose of those bodies or burn them or drag them outside, um, I and think... And let her into the quarantine area where all the sick people were. And uh, who yeah. was it that said that the cough seemed kind of fake and she looked like a kid in a candy store? It was Nancy from yep. Pennsylvania. Yeah, so, yeah, I mean... I don't know. Like, I think Carol may be partially in on it. If if Lizzie's going into the sick zone to kill people, I don't think Carol knows that. Um, because Carol did look... Well, see, I don't know. Because I was going to say, Carol looked really sort of upset when she, when she let Lizzie go in there. But I assume she was upset because everyone was sick and because the young girls were sick and she's not feeling too good about the whole situation. But maybe she's feeling guilt. Maybe she's gone down a road here that she doesn't really like she doesn't like herself for doing it and she but she's too far to turn around now that could be i don't know it's pretty crazy um i have a feeling we are not going to find out in the next episode but hopefully they don't drag it out for too long yeah hopefully all right so we have an email from gala from ontario i don't think herschel was telling carl not to shoot the bear trap zombie to save ammo but because she didn't present an immediate threat uh, I think Herschel still holds somewhat to his original opinion that somewhere inside the zombies are still people. I don't know about that. I think Herschel's moved past that. I think he moved past that when 
the farm was overtaken and uh you know he saw his zombie wife come out of the farm and and uh um uh what did she uh andrea got her in the head with a scythe right yeah yeah because I remember that. That because cool. uh she had her hands on beth at the time i think so i don't know i i don't think i think herschel has moved on from that come to his senses senses and uh and he sees the zombies for what they are at this point. But, you know, not killing the bear trap zombie because it wasn't an immediate threat. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, you I, I'm not sure. I mean, it could be, uh, but we have no, that, I mean, that's a great opinion and it very well could be there, but it, it, they didn't show that on the screen. Right. So Bradley from Ireland writes in, he says, hey guys, I really enjoyed the latest episode. I noticed, though, that very little was said on what I think was quite an important scene for Beth. It was the scene where Maggie and Beth talk in healthy quarantine for the second time about their dad, Herschel, going to comfort the sick. This scene mimics almost exactly the first scene with Beth and Maggie. However, in this one, Beth begins to cry uncontrollably at the end of their conversation. I think this was important, as it shows us that Beth isn't cold-hearted and tough, as we had been led to believe after the death of Zach. And the reason I included this email here is because one of my complaints for the season or this episode, which I didn't love, was that we didn't really learn anything new about the characters. And right. I think this is an example where maybe we did. You know, we're, we, we learned that Beth isn't completely uh, closed off and cold-hearted. She is still, you know, a real living, breathing human who, who has various emotions. So... Um, you know, I, it's. I, I'm glad we we learned that, and I'm glad we had this scene with Beth and Maggie. Uh, yeah, I would. I, I'd simply agree with all of that. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> all right. So we have uh, an email from Mark in England. Uh, Mark sent a really long email, but we chose some of his uh, one of his points. As several people have already mentioned, Doctor F's coughing blood in Herschel's face was a bit stupid. But what I found more ridiculous was that a doctor and a vet asked for antibiotics to treat a viral infection. Even people without a medical background know that antibiotics are for bacterial infections. Sure, they could prevent secondary infections, but that is hardly worth sending, groups, uh, sending the group's most valuable members on a long, dangerous trip. Uh, as for who will die from the infection, I think the show will need to kill off those who hold the group back when they are forced to leave the prison. Herschel and Judith are goners. All right. Well, first of all, I'm I agree entirely that I think Herschel is going to go, and uh, Judith, well, probably. I mean, it's going to be pretty hard to hit the road with a baby. Uh, you know, they might try to, small. They might try to do it. Yeah, they fit in the glove box, don't they? <laughs> Not after. Uh, no, they don't. <laughs> no, they don't. Trunk though. Never sure. tried either. <laughs> well, okay. that's just you know your your problem. Um. Regarding antibiotics for a viral infection, I think, I don't know, this probably is just one of those things you got to look past. And I think the term antibiotic is probably just used because that's what everybody knows. Yeah. Um, what would do, Is there a name for medicine that is used for a bacterial infection? Antibacterial? That? Or an antiviral? Uh, I don't know, maybe. Antibiotics. Yeah, okay. So, I mean, it's not... It's not too <laughs> complicated for anyone to understand. They could have used those terms, but I don't know. Maybe may are are there certain antibiotics that do uh, treat these sorts of things 
properly. I don't know enough about this stuff. Yeah, zero clue. Uh, I have no uh, medical background, and I completely bought that they were going to get antibiotics for whatever was ailing them. Yeah, antibiotics will fix that. They fix everything, right? They fix everything. You're sick? Antibiotics. But then again, it is attention to detail. I mean, why not just write in sort of the accurate term for stuff? You know, maybe what we need to do is go look at the go pause the episode when Daryl holds up the list of medicines they need and look at what's on that list and oh they can't do that those are all brand names if real medis- medications will be brand names and they can't uh, they won't display those you don't think those were real medications no i don't oh okay well i was going to say we should look them up and see what they treat and see if they're even real but you're probably right they're probably just made up yeah all right make making up uh, medication names is hard ever try and make one up <laughs> do it right now no, I can't. I can't do it. It's hard. Xanathrofax. There you go. See, you're good at it. You should <laughs> change your career and go and name medications. They all start with Xana something, don't they? Or, you know, Sithrenophir. Sithrenophir. That's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> okay. This is a new thing. You take you take a Star Wars word like Sith, and then we make up a middle and an end from, I don't know, something else. Uh, Anti-Hanzovax. <laughs> See, you're pretty good at it too. Boba Fett of fear. <laughs> it works. <laughs> All right, done. <laughs> good old Boba Fett of fear. Yeah. Could use some of that right now. <laughs> All right, May from the internet writes in an email, and this is really spoilery for the comic, everybody. So I just want to warn you, this spoils something that happens, um, I don't know, probably... 70 or 80 issues ago in the comic, but it's still, it's a big scene in the comic, and uh, I wouldn't want to ruin that for anyone. So skip ahead if you're worried about a spoiler from the comic series. But May writes, I've been hearing a lot of discussion about the impossibility of Tyrese getting out of the car alive. Remember that Kirkman wrote this episode. This was the Tyrese in the gym scene from the comic with a different setting. Same thing with the fight between Rick and Tyrese, and Rick getting his hand bandaged. Iconic scenes from the comic given a new spin, which the series is good about doing. So first of all, I didn't realize that Kirkman wrote this episode. Oh, I didn't know that either. Yeah, I didn't I didn't realize that, and, and I'm kind of even more disappointed now that I didn't think it was great, and, you know, Kirkman was <laughs> the, the writer, but anyways, neither here nor there. And uh, I think May is absolutely right that the scene with with um, Tyrese hammering all those zombies was meant to be sort of the TV version of him going into the gym in the prison and thinking we're never going to see him again. Right. Yeah, you're, that's you're, absolutely true. You remember that scene, eh? I do remember that scene. And the I know the, the fight between Rick and Tyrese and Rick having his hand injured, that uh, it did occur to me that that was matching what happened in the comic about Rick hurting his hand. But I didn't want to bring it up unless somebody else did because I knew it would be a big spoiler for the comic. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, in both cases, the TV show played out very differently. And as May said, it's a completely different setting, really, for at least the the car scene. Um, But uh, I do think these were sort of shout-outs to the comic storyline. This was the TV version of those scenes. And I don't think we're going to get anything else that that, uh, mimics them any closer. That would be weird. It would be a little weird. Okay. All right. So the last one we have is an email from Sarah in BC. While our group uh, group of four is driving and the radio transmission comes through, talking about a live and sanctuary, the first thing that came to my mind was false hope. It's been a constant theme in The Walking Dead, beginning with the CDC 
then the farm, and now that they feel safe in the prison, and this plague is broken out. It would be awful if they decide to abandon the prison for this new hope, and it turns out, turns out to be a large group of cannibals luring people to them. In the first episode, we had a woman who tried to feed Rick to her husband. I wonder if this is foreshadowing of what's to come. Interesting. Well. Um, you know, I don't know what's going to happen with this radio transmission. I've been meaning to go back and watch the episode with the closed captions turned on to see if they caption the radio uh, voice. Right. Because I think, as I said, it's it's a lot less clear in the act- actual episode than it was in the trailer. So I want to know if they caption it and we did indeed have any let or um, any actual words come through there because I found it difficult to understand them. Um. But uh, what do you what do you think? Do you think that we're going to you know this radio transmission voice is going to come back immediately, or are we going to go a bunch of episodes before it sort of gets brought up again? I hope it comes back almost immediately. Yeah. Like in the next episode, I think if they're broadcasting something, uh, if the people whoever's broadcasting it, if they're broadcasting it on a regular basis, uh, our group of four intrepid heroes are going to try and find a radio and tune in. Like they even made a point of showing us the uh, uh, the frequency at which uh, they, mm-hmm. they they heard the signal. So if I was any one of those people and I was anywhere near a radio that I could get to turn on, I would try and find that frequency again to figure out what's going on. Yeah, you just have to be in, in some sort of safe area, though. Right now, I think they've got a lot of other crap going on. Right. You don't want to run away from zombies and put a boombox on your shoulder and start uh, blaring <laughs> out, uh, we got the beat. No, that would be bad. That would be very bad. I actually saw that once in the 80s. Somebody uh, with a big, huge boombox walking down the street playing the Go-Go's We Got the Beat. Well, it's a good song. It is a good song, but, you know, blaring on a boombox, it was was sad to see that. Well, you know, that was what people did in the 80s, man. Not so much. Now they just turn their their phones on and walk around with phones playing music. It's not the same. You just don't get the same presence of sound. No, and I agree, but it's just, it's one of those things that you see on TV and, you know, of uh, punk rockers with their ghetto blasters, uh, blaring music, and, and then Spock has to do the uh, the Vulcan death grip on him to put him to sleep. Uh, I'm referring to uh, Star Trek here, a movie called uh, Voyage Home. Uh-huh. Uh, but I actually saw this kind of thing in the wild in the 80s, and uh, it was the Go-Go's. Yeah. And I like the Go-Go's. Yeah, no, I like the Go-Go's too, but... Um you Sorry. Uh, yeah. So getting back to the uh, to the thing. No, don't get back to it. I want to say that "Say Anything" <laughs> is also a great movie. Just, it just is. saying. Okay. <laughs> All right. Now we can get back to the email if you want. Yeah. Well, th- and uh, so I think I hope that they uh, this transmission comes back very soon, and it becomes a large part of uh, what their outing and adventure will be. Right. Well, by if by very soon you mean sort of while they're still on this mission for the medicine, then then that's fine. I just don't think we're going to get to it in the next episode, maybe not the one after that, because I have a feeling the next episode is going to be a very short time frame. You know, we're going to see... I don't think we're going to see much at the prison, but we're going to see uh, the medicine run people trying to stay safe and get away from that giant herd of zombies mostly. Right. And if they don't have time to get to the the radio transmission, it's only because the whole episode is in real time or something like that, where it's only an hour or two of them trying to escape and get safe and maybe get back to the prison if they can manage to get their hands on some medicine. Right, right, right. 
But maybe after that, you know, as soon as everything calms down, they all get back to the prison, everybody's healthy again. They're like, hey, maybe we should turn on that radio. And I know a frequency we should try, Daryl will say. Yeah, you know, that's what I'm thinking. That'd be good. All right. That is going to do it for listener feedback this week. We have more, but because, you know, I got to pack and all that and get ready to for Walker Stalker Con, we're going to cut it here tonight. Maybe do a little bit longer next week. So uh, when we have more time. What do you think about that, Mr. Miles? I think it's fantastic. It's Next gr- week, we're actually going to be podcasting from Atlanta. Is that right? Well, we got to talk about this because we are going to be in Atlanta on Sunday, obviously, when The Walking Dead new episode is on. So hopefully we can watch it there. And then we're going to be traveling home on Monday and getting home rather late on Monday. What's What time's our flight? Well, uh, I don't know, but we Hold don't on. have a direct flight on the way home, unfortunately. We have to stop in Baltimore, I think. So, just grabbing my itinerary here. And, and, so. and then we have to drive from Buffalo to get back to Toronto. So, I don't know that we're going to be able to podcast Monday night, which is a huge bummer. Ten thirty a.m. We got to leave Atlanta. Just you're not a morning person, right? We can't get up at six and do a, watch the show and do a podcast. Oh, then, we, uh, we could, but I, I'm going to have to, by the time we, I don't know. I guess we could, yeah. 10.30? 30 is the flight? We could stay up all night. <laughs> I suppose we could do that. Oh, my God. Well, okay, we'll figure right, we something gotta figure out. this out. People, we will have a podcast for you about next week's episode, of course. I just don't know exactly when it's going to come. And then later next week, we will do a, a feedback show as well. So, you know, it will all work itself out. And uh, maybe if we're super tired things will go uh it'll be funny or something i don't know right sleep is for the week yeah who needs it who needs it all right uh if you want to give us a call by all means call the zomb line 1-866-483-zomb you can also send comments in to talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com those are the two ways to get your feedback to us I sometimes include stuff from our Facebook page at facebook.com slash thetalkingdead, but most of it I try to do over email or calls just because it all comes into one place then, and so uh, it makes it a little bit easier to curate. Um, all right. We'll see everybody in Atlanta. Man, it's going to be awesome. Yeah. Keep an eye on, speaking of Facebook, on our Facebook page and Twitter for the location of the Friday night listener meetup. It's going to be us. James and Eric from the Walker Stalkers, the other podcasters, and, uh, you know, I just, we don't know where yet, and so keep an eye on, on the social media for that, and then come out and uh, say hi. It'll be really, really great, and otherwise, you know, if you're going to be at Walker Stalker Con, say hi. We'll hang out. It'll be a really good time, and if you're not, I think we're going to try and post some short audio every day if we can. That'd be cool. You know, just, I would like to do that. Just with an update of what's going on, how we're feeling, you know, who we've met, stuff like that. So I think it should be uh, fun. Hopefully we can make it enjoyable for the folks that can't make it as well. And they can uh, <laughs> they can follow our lives for three days. I don't know. Maybe that's not fun at all. I've, I have no I idea. I don't know. We can, we, uh, we can talk about uh, blisters that we get and what we had for lunch <laughs> and how good it was and, uh, you know, the good stuff. Yeah, the good stuff. All the good stuff. All the good stuff. All righty. Well, that's great. Uh, We will see you. uh, We'll talk next week, everybody. Until then, uh, for The Talking Dead, my name is Chris. My name is Jason. Thanks for listening. Ciao.